Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie. I am your host. And, man, do I have a well-researched show for you tonight. I'm not saying I'm going to get everything right. I'll probably get a good percentage of this stuff wrong, and you can all write in or tweet me and tell me that I'm wrong. But I think we have a good show. I actually started pre-production when I say production, I started doing my research today at about six o'clock and it is now nine twenty-five. It was actually closer to five thirty, five ish, but my kids were awake and they didn't go to sleep till six. So it wasn't really in earnest until six. So three hours of show prep and over 30 articles. Oh, well, I don't know. I pared that down. So probably let's say over 20 articles today to go over, which is a lot. Uh, let's get some housekeeping out of the way real quick. Uh, first thing is, if you're a new listener, hey, thanks for sticking around. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, or if this is your first show, welcome. If you're an old listener, thanks for sticking around. Um, and I have to apologize. Last show was crap. And I apologize. Listen back to it. And I'm so embarrassed that I even let that go out. But I don't know. Here's the lesson that I learned. And I'm not going to do this again. If I'm at work, because I work for 48 hours at a time, for those of you who don't know, I'm a firefighter. If I'm at work and I'm up all night the night before and I spend my whole Saturday or a large portion of my Saturday training and I'm exhausted, I probably shouldn't do a podcast on top of that because I really felt like there were some good moments in the last podcast and then there were some moments where I just, just a total plunge into mediocrity even below that. So I apologize for that. I always try to do the best show that I can. Uh, sometimes I'm exhausted when I do them, but I still try to bring some energy and some sort of intelligent conversation. And I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that the last show. So if you listen to the last show and you stuck around, which is where I was going with in the, the first place, if last show was your first show and you stuck around, thank you for coming back to the second show. If uh, the last show was the not the first one and you still stuck around, thank you too. 
<sighs> I feel like I got a lot of energy, which is weird. Um, lately I've been taking naps like crazy. Uh, da -da -da -da. So we talked about the crappy show. We talked about everybody welcome. We have gotten, when I say we, I include you guys in the collective we because uh, otherwise I would just be talking to no one. So, and, you know, believe it or not, which I think this is awesome, but people actually kind of reach out to me on Twitter and not very many of you, but some of you reach out to me on Twitter and email and give me some positive notes and I appreciate that. Some of you don't want to be mentioned, some don't care, whatever. Um, but I do appreciate it whenever somebody emails me or sends me a tweet or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so just trying to make the show better and that's why I included in the we because I know that's coming from a place to try and make me better and the show better and more listenable to you guys because I know that at some point with my rambling, which is what I'm doing now, I get way off track. So let's get on track, shall we? Um, lots of stories today. And I try to put them in some semblance of an order. So let's start with SpaceX. We don't normally talk about SpaceX on this podcast. Uh, but today, SpaceX was supposed to launch its uh, Dragon space capsule in uh, to resupply the International Space Station. Ten seconds before launch, it was aborted. Uh, apparently, there was a thruster control issue in the second stage of the Falcon 9 rocket, so they decided to scrub the mission. What I didn't know, and I thought this was interesting, and this article isn't very long, uh, but the missions to International International Space Station can only be attempted when the ISS is directly above the launch site. Uh, this is a very small window of success. If you think about all of the things that have to go right for a rocket to launch, and then on top of all those things, you have to have the space station directly above when you launch, it's pretty impressive. It's uh, it's pretty impressive that we launch anything at all. So uh, SpaceX will try again tomorrow at 9.38. That's Sunday morning, the 19th at 9.38 a.m. Eastern Time, if you're interested in watching that, if you hear this in time. Okay, next story, we're going to talk about Elon Musk's boring company. So this is from Fred Lambert, Fred Lambert at Electric. Elon Musk and his new boring company are testing digging techniques at the SpaceX campus. Elon confirmed this. Uh, there's been some rumors that they're digging a hole in the SpaceX campus and... People are like, well, what are they up to? Because Elon's been kind of teasing this boring company thing, which if you don't know what it is, it's basically he wants to create large um, holes in the earth so that we can travel through them and alleviate traffic. So this is what he envisions, an underground transportation network for cars and the Hyperloop. Elon, uh, he wants tens of levels, up to 30, between 10 and 30 levels of tunnels underneath the city to ease traffic, like I said. Um, the current hole is about 15 feet deep and 50 feet wide. The plan is to dig 50 feet down. That gets us past all the electric, the buried electric sewer lines, gas lines, all that stuff, and then to go horizontal. Um, Musk plans on modifying existing boring machines. I think he has one now to improve the, the power and the speed and the materials that it's made out of. Currently, the machine can dig 
300 feet per week. And Elon thinks that he can get that to one mile per week, which is a pretty significant uh, improvement there. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. I don't know that it's a good idea to start digging big subterranean tunnels across our, our world. Who knows what's going to happen in terms of uh, whether that's good for the earth. I don't know. Well, I'm sure lots of studies will be shown or studies will be done and the evidence will be shown at some point. But it seems like maybe that's not a great idea on the just on the surface of it. A lot of people are saying that this, and I've said this before, but a lot of people are saying this is just a test run for the Mars expedition that Elon's planning on sending up so they can dig holes into Mars and be shielded from radiation as they create their little Mars civilization up there. Uh, this is an Inside EVs story by Mark Kane. Next one. China has sold 507,000 plug-in vehicles in 2016. That's a lot. That's impressive. Their goal is to be over 800,000 in 2017. They hope to achieve this goal despite a 20% decrease in government sus subsidies. Now, the government didn't decrease the subsidies necessarily to punish the people buying electric vehicles. It turns out that the manufacturers of the vehicles were violating subsidy rules and doing some shady stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. And the government, the Chinese government kind of slapped them on the hand or whatever body part you want to enter into that and told them to knock it off. And then they'd reduce the subsidies by 20%. An electric bus though, I think the, the subsidy was something like $80,000 that uh, an organization would get for, for buying an electric bus. Now it's like 46000 something like that. Let's get a drink of coffee here. This next one is J. Cole from Inside EVs. The, D the BMW i3 REX plug-in hybrid is being recalled. I didn't know BMW had this, but this is a... Um, obviously, it's a hybrid, so there's an electric motor and a gas motor. So here's what they're saying is wrong. The National Highway Transportation Safety Administration says the recall has nothing to do with the electrical part of the powertrain. Uh, the fuel tank vent line may rub up against one of the battery cables, creating a hole and causing fuel vapor to leak. Currently, no fires have been reported, but BMW is replacing this just in case. It seems like it's a pretty th cheap thing to replace to keep, you know, these cars from catching on fire. Um, the affected models range from 2014 to 2017, and the total vehicles would be 19,130 recalls. I'll be honest, I, I did not know that BMW sold that many. I think the i3 is kind of an ugly car. It's not for me, but I didn't know they sold that many cars uh, from that uh, many i3 hybrids. Next one's from Electric. Seth Weintraub. Man, I hope I said your last name right. If I didn't, I'm sorry. I'll just say it. I'm sorry. I didn't say your last name right. Chevy Bolt owners are getting 300 plus miles of range. There's a guy that did a video on YouTube. I posted this on my website, kilowatt.bz. So you can go there and see the videos. Um, this is also, let's see... The next one is an Inside EV story, Mark Kane. Uh, 
the Bolt's European cousin, the Opel Ampira E, has some new videos showing off the car. I also posted these on the website so you can take a look at them. It's hard to show videos on an audio podcast, so this is more for your information. You can go to kilowatt.bz and take a look. But here are the bullet points from the Ampira videos. Um, it's unrivaled in its class, which is more marketing bullcrap. Uh, for the European listeners and Canadian listeners and pretty much everybody outside the United States, it's got a 520-kilometer range. I didn't bother putting in the miles because the Opal's not here, and this is really more for the European listeners. Uh, it has the best connectivity on board. I don't know what that means. I'm guessing that has the best integration with your phone or cell connectivity, but it's a bullet point that was there. Um, you can refill 150 kilometers in 30 minutes with fast DC charging. Well, that's awesome, uh, which is, I think, if I'm doing my math right, that's like 90 miles right around that range. Um, the camera radar system is integrated to improve safety and driving. Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are in there. Opal OnStar. If you don't know what OnStar is, it's basically if you get in an accident or you get lost or you need to know where a good restaurant is, you hit the button, somebody comes over to your car and says, how can I help you? And you say, I need uh, to go to an Italian restaurant. Send me to an Italian restaurant. They can do that. And then, of course, it's got regenerative braking. Why, don't, why that's a bullet point. These all have regenerative braking, so I don't know Why? Uh, next one is from Fred Lambert by Electric. <laughs> I kind of messed these ones up. Okay. So this is still about the Opal. So Peugeot Citroen, Citroen, I don't know how to pronounce that last part, but it's good because I'll never have to do it again. The PSA group and GM are talking about, uh, they're, they're, they're working with each other and collaborating on electric vehicles. And what that could happen is eventually that could leave, lead to Opal selling to the PSA group. Um, now, as we've talked about before, and I probably should have mentioned this in the last article, Opal is the European version of the Chevy Volt, but also other GM vehicles. Um, the Opal... Ampira E is currently built at GM's Orion facility in Michigan and then I guess shipped over to Europe. Seems really inefficient, but that's kind of what they're doing. So I'm going to guess that's going to be low numbers. Um, Opal is working on becoming an all electric vehicle company. So that's something that they're working toward. So that's why the PSA group, I'm guessing, would be interested in it. Opal uh, would like to phase out. All internal combustion vehicles by 2030, so that's in 13 years. And then expect to see the Opel Ampira E in select European countries by mid 2017. Take a drink here. Go off mic so you don't have to hear me slurp it up the coffee. Okay, more Bolt and Ampira news. LG is adding to their uh, production battery production capability for the Chevy Bolt in the Opal Ampira, Ampira, Ampira battery factory. 
the Chevy Bolt is pretty much an LG creature. So they build the battery pack, the motor, they do all the electronics. Um, and they also do the battery pack for the volts. I didn't know that. But this is something that I found surprising because I figured they were making these battery packs in, um, I think LG is a Korean company. Man, I should have done my research. Wherever LG is, hold on, I'm checking. LG country. Sorry. South Korea. So, um, so yes, LG is, I thought LG would be making this stuff in Korea and shipping it over, but apparently they have a plant in Holland, Michigan. So they're, they're adding to it so they can make more batteries, more motors, more electronics, and more Chevy Bolts in eventually. Uh, they're not going to be producing Gigafactory numbers, amounts of batteries and parts, but still a good amount. Let's see. Next one, Fred Lambert. Electronic um, EV buses are now cheaper than their diesel and compressed natural gas counterparts. At the moment, um, EV buses only make up 1% of the bus market. So there's lots of room for growth. Uh, manufacturer Proterra, is they say they can build an EV bus for cheaper than what the CNG and diesel buses cost. Um, Ryan Popel is the CEO, and he thinks that EV buses will dominate the market in 10 years. Well, if you can build them cheaper than CNG and diesel buses, of course they'll be dominate the market in 10 years. It just kind of seems like it makes sense. It's not really a bold statement, Ryan, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, Proterra has actually delivered quite a few, a few hundred EV buses, so the future looks bright on that company, and good luck to them. Next one, Fred Lambert. Hyundai announced that they're bringing their Ionic electric sedan to the United States. It, the starting price is $29,500, that's before incentives. Check your local area for incentives, because uh, California gives you more incentives than what Arizona does, and you get the federal incentive and blah, blah, blah. But it's got an 88 kilowatt hour, or a kilowatt motor, electric motor, but and it can go 124 miles on a 28 kilowatt hour battery, which makes it, from what I read, the most efficient um, electric vehicle out there currently. I only read that from one source, so take it for what it's worth. But sounds cool. And if this had just a little bit more range in it, uh, like over 200, this is something I would actually consider buying for my wife and I. Because uh, I've said this before, we have a, a Mazda RX. No, we have a we have the big Mazda SUV. The names escape me at the moment, and we have a minivan. And the the Mazda was something we bought before we had kids, and we were like, well, we need a bigger vehicle. Turns out it was the wrong choice for our family. The minivan actually fits better. Now we have two. We have two ginormous vehicles that are expensive, and they cost a lot of money to fix, and they cost a lot of money to run, and all that other good stuff. Um, in 2020 or so, I'm looking at getting rid of the Mazda. Now, if Hyundai could come up with something in this price range that goes over 200 miles or 250 miles 
of range, it'd be definitely something that I would consider replacing the Mazda with, even if it didn't have all the bells and whistles. Because really, if you think about it, they could probably drop their price down a little bit in addition to increasing the battery size. And that would make it right in the wheelhouse of, you know, people like me that have blue-collar jobs and they can't afford to buy a $35,000 car or another $35,000 car because our current van was like forty, and that was way at our top end. But, yeah. So let's keep going. Boom, boom, boom. James, Jameson Dow from Electric. Lucid Motors shows off uh, their Lucid Air at those events that I was talking about last week. There's lots of cool stuff. The menus um, on the demo cars were really cool, and there's lots of stuff to go through. I just put the article because there's so much stuff in the article that I don't think would translate well to a podcast. I just put that on the website. There's also um, a video showing... uh, a group getting a ride in the Lucid. Looks like it's a lot of fun. Lucid is calling its assistive driving technology Copilot, and that's powered by Mobileye. We talked about that. Um, you know, here's the thing, and I'm excited about Lucid. I th- I was one of the first to talk about Lucid in terms of podcasts. I'm pretty sure, and I am I'm a fan. I, I'm really a fan. I'm looking forward to their car. I think it's going to be a great car. It's starting to seem a little snobby. Uh, There's some, like I've I've said before, the Tesla models, even though they cost a lot of money, they kind of have this little bit of whimsy, kind of a wink and a nudge, you know? And this one just kind of is like that... uh, It's like that person at the, 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 the department store that thinks because you're dressed like a human being, you work there and you should serve them. And I don't know if anybody's had that happen to them. I've had it happen to me several times. Maybe it just looks like I should be subservient to people. But it's kind of starting to look... I don't want to say this. It feels a little dickish. And I'm hoping that the company isn't really going to be like that. Seems like a little elitist. I can't afford a $160,000 Tesla. Can't afford a $60,000 Tesla. But I aspire to own a Tesla because they look like they're a fun company and they're building a really cool brand. Whereas Lucid Motors, to me, and I'm still a fan, and I am 100% not against this company or rooting against this company, but Lucid Motors, to me, is starting to feel a little on that that side of... I don't, I don't know if I would really care for the people that would drive a Lucid Air. I could be wrong. And that's just my opinion. That's kind of where the the company, it's kind of where I see it going. And now I realize they have to raise a lot of money. Their CEO said they have a few hundred million dollars in the bank. But um, they only have about, they have a $700 million facility, manufacturing facility here in Arizona to build, which is a lot of money. Uh, And they still have to, run the organization. So it's not like they can clear out the two or $300 million they have in the bank, allegedly, to build this facility or to start it because then they wouldn't have money to run the other parts of their company. Now, this company's been around for 10 years, so I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon, and I'm really excited about the final product. But once they start manufacturing these cars at scale, 
even when they do small batches, I think they're going to find that they're going to run into a lot of manufacturing problems and they're going to have a lot of, um, at scale, some of the features that they've put in their car or that they're touting aren't going to make it to the first, at least the first final product. I fully believe that they'll probably be over $160,000 at the top end and they're not going to have all of the features that they're promising because I just don't know that it's going to work. That's a lot to put in your first car and I hope, I wish them well and I hope they can do it, but all the things that they want to put in this car, they're borrowing a lot of technology from Samsung who's doing their batteries. They're doing a lot of technology from Mobileye which apparently, I mean, not apparently, is obviously very good at autonomous driving. They have a lot of data when they worked with Tesla, and it's not a bad choice for them to go with Mobileye. Having said all that, all this stuff has to come together and work. Not on one car, not on three cars, but on, you know, hundreds, 50,000, I think is what their goal is for the first year. Which is a lot. So I fully expect to see the prices go up in addition to the um, features going down. But we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. Da, da, da. I'm going to take a real quick break and go get some coffee. You guys won't know this, but it might sound a little weird on your side. So one second. Okay, I am back. Thank you for being patient. Even though it seemed like an instant to you, it was more like 15 minutes. So now we're going to go into some real quick news, and this is all Tesla news. Dubai's Future Foundation has been, their goal, actually I should say this, their goal is to have 25% of the city's traffic to be autonomous by 2030. That's their goal. Now, in order to help achieve that goal, Tesla signed a deal with the Dubai Taxi Company, or Dubai's Taxi Company. I don't know if it's just one company or if there's several companies, but they signed a deal to supply 200 Model S and Xs with full self-driving capabilities. So Dubai might actually be the first country where Tesla's allowed to, to operate fully autonomous vehicles without drivers in the driver's seat. We'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Sounds really interesting, actually. Next one. The Gigafactory is helping Tesla reduce the cost of battery uh, batteries by 35%. Now, it's thought that the current price per kilowatt hour to produce for the batteries is $190. The new price is now down below $125 per kilowatt hour. So overall, this is going to help us in with the Model 3, keeping prices down, maybe even eventually seeing a electric vehicle from Tesla at the $25,000 uh, price point. Even though Elon Musk, I think, said that that wasn't going to happen, it'd be nice if it did for me and others like me. Tesla is working on manuals so that owners can repair their own vehicles. This isn't something that I would attempt, but if you have the confidence and the skills to do that, good luck. There's way too much in that car for me to screw up. And the Tesla Powerwall is now ready to ship. Apparently the power packs were taking a lot of time, but now Tesla's ready to start uh, shipping the Powerwalls. taking a drink 
Okay. Manfred Kick, a German man, was driving on the Autobahn, cruising along, when he saw a Passat that was driving erratically and hitting the guardrail. When Mr. Kick looked over, Mr. Kick, what a cool name. When Mr. Kick looked over, he saw the driver of the Passat was, he looked lifeless and unconscious. So, doing what any reasonable person would do, Mr. Kick drove his car in front of the Passat and slowed down until both vehicles uh, connected. And then he was able to bring the Passat to a stop, called 911, or whatever the emergency number in, is in Germany, called the emergency folks. They came out and transported an unconscious, the driver was unconscious, they transported him, and he had suffered a stroke. Now, it's unclear to me, because it's possible that he was unconscious, most of the time when somebody has a stroke, they are altered. So it may be that he appeared unconscious, but he was really more altered and he was confused. I don't know. I don't know if he had the car on cruise control. I don't know what the whole story was. But without a doubt, Mr. Kick um, saved this guy's lives and probably some other people's lives in addition. So good for you. And Tesla and Elon Musk, they're, Elon Musk tweeted that they're going to fix Mr. Kick's Model S for free, and then they're going to expedite it and make it happen really fast. So that's awesome. And uh, it's awesome for Tesla, and it's awesome for Manfred, and it's awesome for the driver. And hopefully he is able to um, recover. Strokes are really tough to recover from, so hopefully he has a good recovery. Tesla Roddy Taylor Marks. Uh, reported on, uh, so there's a father of a woman, and I'm not going to use names here because it seems distasteful, but there's a father of a woman who died in an accident, and he's considering suing Tesla because she happened to be driving a Tesla. So his daughter was driving. Uh, both parties were drunk. There was two people in the car. Uh, she was driving her boss's car. Her blood alcohol was 0.21, and the state's legal limit, in most states' legal limit, is 0.08. So she was very intoxicated. Her boss, who was the passenger, his blood alcohol level was 0.17, so more than double the legal limit. And it's it's kind of hard to, because really nobody knows what happened. I'm going to pull up the story here, and I'll read it to you on my laptop. So I'm um, I'm just going to read this directly from the article. Let me move my thing over here so I can see it while I read. The police investigate. The police investigation after the crash revealed that another car had been traveling the wrong way on a one-way street just prior to the accident. This is a vehicle. Now this is in quotes. This is a vehicle that travels from zero to sixty in three point one seconds. She's clearly having to swerve to miss the vehicle going the wrong way on a one-way street, Speckman said. Well, that's the father. If her foot should happen to hit the accelerator, it's like a rocket ship. I don't know why they would make a car that does that. Um, let's see. It's unclear. No, no, no. So, uh, Albert Feynman, 81, was driving on the same street when he was passed by the Tesla. It passed me like a flash, uh, Fennell told the Indy Star in a telephone interview. 
It hit that curb and plowed into the tree. Fennel did not mention any other car driving the wrong way at the time. So it's it's unclear what happened, but they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. Before I was able to get out of my truck, the car exploded, said Fennel. The parts of the car engine and everything went up into the air. It was the most horrifying thing I'd ever seen. Fennel said he drove north to get away from the falling debris when he heard a loud sound. I thought something had hit my truck, but it had missed my truck. It was sitting on the street. It was a wheel and axle assembly from the car. Tesla is working to with investigators to figure out what happened and why this whole incident or how this whole incident occurred. But here is the um, the sad truth. And the sad truth is this gentleman's daughter, who's now passed away, and it's sad. And I, I have a daughter that is t- now 21, and I hope to God she doesn't drink and drive. And I don't think she does, but I hope that she doesn't. And it's a shame that uh, she passed away. But when you're driving intoxicated, most of that can happen from any vehicle. She could have been driving a Ferrari or she could have been driving a Toyota. As a firefighter, I've been a firefighter, let's see, in some form or another, I've been a firefighter, firefighter for 24 years, since I was 18. I started as a volunteer. And I have seen tons and tons of fatal car accidents. I can't even tell you how many fatal car accidents I've seen. And a lot of them were uh, involving alcohol. Now, sometimes the the driver of the vehicle died or somebody in the car died. And sometimes somebody in another vehicle died. But in any either case, alcohol, driving, you're you're increasing your chances of of either killing yourself or killing somebody else. So whether this person was in a car that happened to be a Tesla or happened to be just a Toyota Corolla, you you can die either way. So I don't I don't I, I, I appreciate this person's pain and trust me I've seen I've been on scene when family members come and they see that their family uh, member had passed away like at the scene this happens uh, not quite a bit but it happens often enough and it is really really hard uh, to talk to those uh, the grieving family members and explain why their family is now gone and I, I, this is a this is kind of a tough article to do, but in the end, we're just lucky that two people died instead of more people. Um, I mean, I think the the thing to take away from this whole scenario is more than anything is just don't drink and drive ever. It's a cab is cheap, and if you can afford a Tesla, you can afford a cab. But anyway, sad, very sad story. And I don't want to be, I really want to treat this kind of tenderly because if my daughter died, I would be devastated. If any of my kids died, I'd be devastated. But on the other the other side of things, you know, you got to kind of take into consideration that her, she was more than almost three times the legal limit, more than twice the legal limit. So that's, that's going to be a, you're, you're not going to be at your full faculties and you're going to make mistakes and... She may have thought that driving fast was fun, or she may have been confused and was driving fast and she wasn't capable of slowing down. Who knows what the real answer is? But it, in the end, it is, it is, it's just sad. 
So don't drive drunk. Please, for the love of bananas, don't drive drunk. Uh, let's see here. Let's move on. So we're almost done, actually. Uh, last week we talked about, this is from Fred Lambert, this next article. But for last week we talked about um, a gentleman from the Fremont plant talking about how that how the working low he was basically shedding a light on low work uh low hour uh, excuse me ugh, long hours low working long long <laughs> i'm so dumb long hours low wages and um dangerous working conditions in terms of lots of work injuries you that could be prevented at the tesla fremont plant um so the United Auto Workers Union has been has sent out um, representatives to discuss unionizing with employees if they have questions. Uh, there's not a lot, from what I understand. There's like three or four representatives floating around Fremont who are happy to talk with Tesla employees if they if they have any questions on what the union can do for them. Uh, the UAW has also said that they've been in contact with a group of employees for about six to seven months, which, you know, the person that, I forget his name, but the person that was, uh, that wrote the Medium post was probably a part of that group. Um, and then there's another story that kind of plays off of this, but Elon Musk says that he's now... At first, he called that guy a, a union agitator, and was paid by the unions to uh, to get employees to unionize, to organize. Um, Elon Musk now says that he is investigating the claims made by the employee. Now, <clears throat> if Elon Musk wants to investigate these claims, I think that's great. But what he should do is he should hire an independent third party, make it a hundred percent clear. That whatever recommendations that they make need to be honest recommendations and not reflect bad, uh, even if they reflect even if they reflect poorly on Tesla. Because Elon Musk could go in there and say, "Oh yeah, these two things can be tweaked, and we're all good." Well, you have somebody that's uh, uh, clearly not. If there's these problems happening, if they are happening. He's clearly not seeing them, uh, and it's probably good that some of these things are brought to his attention. However, eh, it could be considered biased. No matter what you think of Elon Musk, there, you know it could obviously be considered biased. So if a third party came in, did the investigation, and gave recommendations, I think that would be that would go further for legitimizing the changes that could be made. Here's another thing that needs to happen. Whether they, the employees unionize or not, those recommendations, when they're delivered to Tesla, that same third-party company should act not as an arbitrator, but as kind of as a go-between between labor and, and management. And you have a labor group, whether they're union or not, you have a labor group sit down with management and work on solutions to fixing the problems. Now, low pay, that's that's easy. If it, it turns out that they're paying lower than they should, you increase pay. Long hours, 
Well, sometimes you're going to have, especially now that the Model 3 is, is gearing up, you're going to have very long hours on the production line. How do we fix that? Because the longer and more hours that you work, the more mistakes you're going to make. I stayed, I was up way past, way later than I should be, should have been in my last podcast. I was exhausted from two days of not, I mean, I'm not going to say it was super hard work, but two days of exhausting work. And I was a total moron and I wasn't doing anything except for talking into a mic. So you exhaust your employees and work them six days a week, 60 hours, six days a week. uh, They're going to start making mistakes. And then that leads to injuries. So um, just a reminder, I'm a proud union member. I am pro-union. I think that unions are a great thing. I don't think that unions should have too much power. And I don't think that businesses should have too much power. There needs to be a, a nice equilibrium, a nice balance. Um, but the the job of the union is supposed to look after the worker. They're supposed to, if if everything works correctly, unions should protect wage, hours, and working conditions. And that's kind of what all falls into the that medium post that need to be corrected. And I'm sure that that can't fall into that medium post for a reason that way because those are the things that unions do to help protect the workers. Uh, let's see. In the end... And again, I'm very clear, if the unions have too much power, that's a bad thing. But in the end, most businesses treat their employees like crap. Like, there are tons and tons and tons of stories of businesses and telling their employees, hey, you didn't finish this, you need to stay after hours, we're not going to pay you, and you need to finish it. This is why we need unions. That's why unions are important. Because if you leave greedy businesses, not all businesses are greedy, so I'm not saying that. But if you leave businesses, uh, let's see, if you leave people who run businesses without morals or scruples in charge, they're going to take advantage of their employees. They're going to use scare tactics. They're going to use um, they're going to use tactics that are not legal, and they're going to use them with impunity until they get caught. And then they'll something will happen, they'll pay a fine, and they'll continue doing it. So no matter what happens in this case, my opinion is that labor and management, I'm just going to summarize this up, should sit down and discuss it and, and come up with the best way to solve these current issues. The people that work in factories are not dumb. Skilled labor should be valued and that value should be shown in in many different ways, compensation being one of them. Um, you don't want a bunch of morons screwing up your brand and building terrible cars. If you look at certain car companies throughout the, their history, they've had time periods where they've had totally total crap cars. You don't want that if you're Tesla and you're building a, a brand and you're building a, a vehicle 500,000 roughly vehicles in the next year to year and a half. You want good quality labor that can help you improve the process and make it better, make it a better car, make it a better manufacturing process. Um, And if you have good quality people, they're not going to suffer the morons. They're going to get the morons out of there. If you hire somebody and they're not a great fit for that group, they're going to be gone eventually. If you hire somebody 
uh, if you hire a bunch of morons, they're not they're going to ignore the other morons because they're all morons. Does that make sense? I hope I'm making sense. Um, I'm just saying that labor groups, even though they may or may not have a college degree or they may not may or not have the credentials that that the people working in the offices have, they still have a voice and they should still have a voice and they still have good ideas on improving processes or fixing uh, those nagging issues that happen and they should be listened to and there should be a route of communication up. And those, though, just because it's the guy that's sweeping the floors does not mean that his ideas should not be at least have an avenue to be listened to. They may be terrible ideas, but there still should be an avenue that moves upward so that if he has an idea or she has an idea, those ideas can be considered. Now, um, that is it. That's the whole podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, I know that I am... These are going a little bit longer than normal, and probably next week. Next week, we have the Tesla earnings. And that, that'll be the only thing we talk about on that episode. So if you don't care about that, you can skip that episode. And unless the earnings turn out to have no valuable information, and then we'll do some other news. The week after that, I have something going on on Friday and Saturday, so I can't do the podcast until Sunday. I'll probably do it on Friday, but I can't release it until Sunday. Um, what else? If you listen to my Oblivious podcast, which is where a podcast where I just talk about stuff that I like, I forgot to do one last week because I was really busy, and I didn't remember it until Friday, uh, yesterday. So um, I'm going to do it uh, that episode tomorrow because it's now 10.30, and I am tired. So I'll do a new Oblivious episode tomorrow, and then we'll go back to doing everything on Friday again. Uh, let's see here. Man, I think that's it. I'll put all of the stories that we talked about in all, in, in a, on the website, kilowatt.bz. And then also, the stories that I thought were interesting are already up on kilowatt.bz, so you can go and take a look at those. If you want to email me, it's bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. For those of you who have emailed me, thank you. I appreciate your feedback. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at 918digital. There's a phone number you can call that only one guy who's a bill collector, not for me, for somebody else. I get like 10 messages a week from this bill collector. But it is 918-401-0071. You can leave a message and I'll put that on the show if you'd like. And uh, let's see. If you could leave a review wherever you get this podcast, that would really help. Um, I have that other podcast called Oblivious. Put that in the show notes. And I have some sticker packs. And I sell iOS um, iMessage sticker packs to kind of help offset the cost of um, hosting for this show and the other show. And some of the software that I've paid out, it just kind of helps out. And I get like 9 or $10 a month from that. And it it's not a lot, but it helps. And if you've bought a sticker pack, thank you. If you haven't, take a look. And if you would like to buy one, if not, that's okay too. And then that's it. That's the whole podcast. I hope everybody has a great week. And I will see you next Friday. <laughs>